Welcome to another episode of Men's Bible Study. Dr. Justin Hillhouse joins us this morning to continue our series, Jesus is Coming. Be sure to have your copy of God's Word ready as we take a look at the three things the angel told Zachariah and how those things can apply to us men today. Now, let's hear from Dr. Hillhouse. Hi, everybody, as you grab your seat, please open up your copy of God's Word or turn it on. We're in Luke chapter 1. We're going to be in Luke chapter 1. We're going to look in verses 13 through 17. Luke chapter 1, verses 13 through 17. Now, last week we started this new series simply called Jesus is Coming. But what we want to do over the next couple weeks and what we started with last week is we want to kind of look at Jesus is Coming from a different angle. And last week we talked about how John the Baptist went out in front of everybody and he went out before Jesus announcing and telling people, hey, listen, the Messiah that you have been waiting for is finally here. So everyone prepare the way, make way, make straight the way of the Lord. And if you remember, we talked about how the angels, they announced Jesus's birth, but then it was John the Baptist that announced Jesus. Jesus's ministry being started. And so as we kind of continue in this series called Jesus is Coming, we want to kind of look at, 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 at Jesus coming from a different angle again, coming from John the Baptist. And we want to look at kind of more John the Baptist's birth because when Zechariah, John's father, um, found out he was uh, going to be a dad, um, and when the angel was telling him, there were three things that the angel told Zechariah that I believe applies to us as men today, not only in this Christmas season, but also uh, all throughout the year in, in every interaction that we have. So in Luke chapter one, as we kind of open that up, when you look at the first 12 verses, you discover that there's this dude who is a priest and his name is Zachariah. He has a wife by the name of Elizabeth and they are older in their years, or as we like to say, they're a little bit more seasoned and she is kind of um, beyond the age of having children. And they had prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed to have a child. She went beyond those childbearing years. And Zachariah he is in the temple. They throw lots uh, every once in a while, and they determine who is going to do what in the temple. And so Zechariah is a priest. Uh, they throw lots, and, and it falls on him, and he's the incense guy. And so his job is to go into the temple and to burn the incense. And this is kind of his job right now. And so he is in the temple. He's burning the incense. And as he's burning, this angel shows up and they begin to have a conversation. And the angel lets Zachariah know, hey, listen, you've been praying for a kid. Now God is going to answer your request. And so here we see this conversation and we're going to focus on what the angel tells Zachariah about this young baby boy that is about to be born. And so we pick up the story in verse 13 and it simply says this, but the angel said to him, so Zachariah has gone into the temple. He's burning the incense. He's just doing what he normally does. And this angel shows up and he says this, do not be afraid, Zachariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear a son, and you are to call him John. 
He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. He will, never, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit of power of Elijah uh, to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the, to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And so in this conversation that the angel notifies Zechariah about, the angel gives Zechariah three important things to note about this baby boy that his wife, Elizabeth, is getting ready to bear. And it's the same things that we can take to heart and that we can apply to our lives as men here today. And so the first thought is this, is that Jesus will be gracious. Therefore, we must be gracious. If you look in verse 13, it says this, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear a son and you are to call him John. Zechariah is a priest. And you would think, right, that a priest would be very cautious in what they name their son, especially their one and only son. Now, I don't know about you, but how many of you, when you had a kid or your baby was born or you were trying to pick a name for a child, did you kind of go through a list of names, right? Y'all go through a list of names. And not only did you go through that list of names, but you probably had this conversation with your wife is you said, okay, what about this name? And she might say, you know what, that, that name won't work. And you would say, why not? And she might reply something like, well, you can shorten it to this name. Like we tossed around the name Abigail, right? And she said, you know what? I don't want that because people will call her Abby. And, and I don't want her to be called Abby. I want her to be called Abigail. And I'm like, well, we can call her Abigail. And she goes, no, I want the rest of the world to call her Abigail. I don't want it to be shortened, right? You know? Uh, when we were talking about my, about my son, Colt being, uh, you know, his name, I was like, I want Remington. And she's like, you want to name him after a gun? And I was like, why not? That's awesome. <laughs> bang, bang, you know, Remington, bang, bang, Hill House. I think that'd be a great name. She's like, no, we, yeah, pew, pew. Yeah, just name him pew, pew. <laughs> Y'all went through that. And don't lie. I know y'all sat around. You had this conversation and you said, hey, what are we going to name our kid? And you went through a list of names and you're like, what name fits? How does this work? And you contemplated that. There are some parents, they didn't contemplate it. Or there are some parents that thought, ha, this will be funny and they have to live with it for the rest of their life. Sue. Like uh, there was this dude. <laughs> huh? Sue. What? Sue. Sue? Oh, yeah. You got the dude named Sue. If y'all don't know that song, look it up. Who sings that? Johnny Cash? Johnny Cash. That's right. Anyway, you totally threw me off my game, Gene. Thank you. Donut Fairy. Okay. That's his name, y'all. I don't care what it is. Let's get on with it. Anyway, 
There was this dude, I met him one time at a conference. And I was like, hey, I'm Justin. He's like, hey, I'm Michael Michael. And I was like, Michael Michael, I'm Justin Justin. Ha <laughs> ha. He's like, no, 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 no. He goes, I hate to say this, but that is my real God-given name is Michael Michael. My last name is Michael. My parents thought it would be awesome to name me Michael. So now my name is just Michael Michael. And I was like, dude, that's kind of cool, right? That you're Michael Michael. Uh, but I bet it hurts on your resume, <laughs> you know, because people are like, is this, is this really your name? But there are parents that have named their kids. I went through and I, uh, I just Googled this. And there are some names I can't say in here. And so my filter was on. But like there was a dude, his last name was Register. And his parents named him Cash with a K. So his name is Cash Register. This, like you can go on like you look like it has their, 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 their face and everything. There's another dude. Real, real guy, his last name is Duck, his first name is Donald, Donald Duck, all right? I'm not kidding, Google this, all right? There's, there's a lady, her last name is Neighbors, her first name is Gay, Gay Neighbors, I just thought that was hilarious. Look it up, there's another lady, her, her last name is Meth, her first name is Crystal, Crystal Meth, that's her name. Look it up, I'm telling you. Uh, there's another, his last name is Guy. His first name is Christian. I thought that was hilarious. Christian Guy, what's your name? I'm Christian Guy. Um, now this is, this is one of my favorite names. Is this dude's last name is Love. His first name is Mr. Mr. Love. Gotta love that, right? I'm like, dude, now that is a cool name, all right? <laughs> what is your name? I'm Mr. Love. Come on over here, Mr. Love. Uh, there's a lady, her name, her last name is Ball. Her first name is Crystal, Crystal Ball. I thought that was, that was pretty good. But the angel of the Lord came to Zachariah and said, look, you don't get to choose the name. This is the name I want you to call him. I want you to call him John, okay? Now, John is how we pronounce his name in English. John actually is derived from the Latin and the Greek word, Johannes, okay, which comes from the Hebrew word, Johan, okay? And when you translate Johan from the Hebrew, Johan is translated, Yahweh is gracious. Jesus is gracious. God is gracious. So if your name in here is John, your name comes from the Hebrew and it simply means God is gracious. So from the very beginning, John the Baptist's name states who God is, that God is gracious. And we see this all throughout Scripture. Scripture reminds us over and over and over again that God is a good and a gracious God. Joel chapter 2 verse 13, rend your heart and not your garments. Re return to the Lord your God for he is gracious and compassionate. Psalm 116.5, the Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. Isaiah 30 Verse 18, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. Therefore, rise up and uh, he will rise up and show you compassion. So just as the name is given to this young boy, it lays the groundwork for Jesus to come. Because guess what? People are going to be listening to John the Baptist 
And when they say the word John or Yohan, they're saying God is gracious. So, hey, there's this dude out in the desert preaching this message. Who is it? Well, it's a guy named God is gracious. That's, that's who is out there preaching. And so it is a foreshadow, just the very name of John is a foreshadow of who is to come. That God is gracious and what he is bringing. God is coming, and not only is he coming, but he is bringing his grace. You know, to show grace means to forgive someone when they don't ask for it, when they don't deserve it, and most definitely when they don't earn it. We are forgiven because of the cross. We did not ask for it. We do not deserve it. And we definitely didn't earn it. Amen? We do not deserve forgiveness. We cannot earn forgiveness. We do not ask for or we did not ask for forgiveness. Yet Jesus came, died on the cross so that we may be forgiven. And so today, this next year, maybe this past year, maybe somebody has done something to you. Maybe they know it. Maybe they don't. I don't know. Maybe there's something that's been constantly going on in your life and in your family. There's somebody that you are dealing with, and they just need some grace. They need some forgiveness. Does that mean you have to walk up and say, hey, you're forgiven? No. But in your heart and in your life, you just might need to simply look at them. You might need to pray for them. And you might just say, you know what? No matter what, from this point forward, you are forgiven. I am going to give you grace just as God is gracious with me. God is so gracious to us. He is so quick to forgive. And may we do the same. I know that just during this holiday season, families are going to get together and there's going to be a few grudges, right? There, there might even be some fighting. I don't know. Instead of participating and joining in that, rather step back and just say, you know what? Whether y'all know it or not, I'm just going to love you and you're forgiven. No matter what, just you are forgiven and show that unconditional love. The very name of John God is gracious. God forgives when we don't deserve it. God forgives when we didn't earn it. God forgives when we didn't deserve it. May we do the same. But that leads us to kind of our second thought about who this guy is, John the Baptist, what the angel is telling Zechariah, who his son is going to be, the guy that proclaims the Messiah is here, and that's his ministry. His start is, we see that in verse 14, 15, as we see that John had a goal to please only one person. John had a goal to please only one person. And so for us and in our lives, we should only have an audience of one as well. If you look here, it says this, he will be a joy and a delight to you and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. That's a great little phrase right there. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Why will this young boy, soon to be man, be great in the eyes of the Lord? Most theologians believe that John the Baptist lost his parents while he was young. 
How young was he? We really don't know. But it's thought that once John the Baptist was born, he was raised under the teachings of his father. Now remember, Zechariah is a priest that serves in the temple. And just like any good priest would do when your children are born, <coughs> you're going to begin to teach and to talk to them about the things of God, especially being a priest, especially having been encountered by an angel of the Lord, that you are going to begin to indoctrinate your child into the things of Scripture. And so as John the Baptist is growing up, guess what? His father is going to be teaching him the things of the Torah. He's going to be teaching him the things of the Talmud. He's going to be giving him that theology. He's going to be giving him all of that information and teaching him and growing him up in the ways of the Lord. But what is surprising is that John the Baptist did not join the priesthood like his father. He still joined the priesthood, but it looked just a little different. Because you see, John the Baptist, he traded the temple for the desert. John the Baptist traded pretty good food that you would get in the temple to locusts and honey. John the Baptist traded the ephod that the priest would wear. Instead, he wore camel skin. Matthew 3, verse 4, John's clothes were made of camel hair, and he had a leather belt wrapped around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. And yet, in verse 15, the angel tells Zechariah, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Wearing camel hair and a leather belt, eating locusts and honey, does not sound really great, nor does it sound pleasing, nor how in the world... Can you gain any infamy doing that? Right? How can you? I mean, everybody else looks at that and be like, ew. Like, that's not cool. Uh, Frederick uh, Berkner said this, John the Baptist didn't fool around. He lived in the wilderness around the Dead Sea. He subsided on a starvation diet, and so did his disciples. He wore clothes that even a rummage sale person wouldn't have handled. And yet the angel tells Zechariah, hey, listen, your kid, your son, John, he is going to be great in the sight of the Lord. He never promised Zechariah that John the Baptist would be famous. He never promised Zechariah that we would even talk about his son today, 2,000 years later. He never promised Zechariah that his son would be written about in the Bible, and yet he is going to call people back to God. He is going to prepare a way for Jesus. And you see, greatness here is not in what other people think of John or their opinion of him. Greatness is only in the eyes of God. And what is greatness in the eyes of God? Jesus lays it out real simple in Matthew 23, 10 and 12, 10 through 12. He says, nor are you to be called instructors for you have one instructor, the Messiah. Verse 11, the greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Servanthood and humility. That 
is what greatness is in God's eyes. That's what it is. Plain and simple. What does it take to be great in God's eyes? Servanthood and humility. God doesn't care what you wear. He doesn't care what you eat. All He cares about is that you would do what He wants you to do, that you would be a servant. Matthew 20, 26 through 28. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, what does it say? But to serve. What is Jesus telling you? You know what it takes to be great? We got to be like Jesus. We simply have to serve. It seems like so many people today are vying for attention. Whether you're a pop star, whether you are a preacher, whether you have a blog or a vlog, or you write books, you try and get in the news, you speak at conferences, you have a concert, you hold some sort of political rally, you say something controversial, hey, listen, this will get people's attention. This will get people to notice me. Everyone in the world is trying to do that. You just scroll through YouTube and you have all these different channels and all these people, man, they're just, hey, click the subscribe button. See what I'm doing. Look at me. And what does Jesus say? Hey, if, if you want to be truly great, then you know what? Become a servant and humble yourself. But here's the deal. Is that when we choose to become a servant, when we choose to obey God, we are not performing for everyone else. We only have an audience of one. And guys, let me explain this. Is You know what? It makes life really simple when you only have to serve one person. Am I right? If all I got to do is please one person, that makes life really, really simple. Y'all with me on that? I mean, all the stress <coughs> begins to go away. Because you know what? I don't have to please a whole bunch of other people. I don't have this guy's opinion over here, so I got to go over here and do this. Then there's this dude's opinion, so I got to go over here and do this. And then there's this person's opinion, so I can go over here and do this. And I got to try and make everybody happy. Guess what? I only have to make one person happy. I only have to make God happy. That's all I have to do. And boy, what a great relief off of my shoulders that I have. Because now I don't have to please you. I don't have to please. All I have to do is please God. And as long as I please God, guess what? Everybody else is just going to be taken care of. And I don't even need to worry about what they think. Because you know what? My goal is simply please God. Look at verse 11. The greatest among you will be your servant. Oswald Chambers said this, The real test of a saint is not one's willingness to preach the gospel, but one's willingness to do something like wash the disciples' feet. That is, being willing to do those things that seem unimportant in human estimation, but count as everything to God. That's what it is. Don't miss this, man. But so many Christians miss their purpose in life. 
And the reason why they miss their purpose in life is because they are so busy trying to please everyone else but God. We'll cut it all out and just simply please God. We have one person to please. John the Baptist, there's only one person he had to please. It was God. That's it. Just do what you do. Um, I was at a, uh, I was at dinner with a group of folks. There's eight of us, and if you ever go out to dinner with me and, and a whole bunch of people, it's just we we just it's always a party, right? We're having fun. Some of you can testify to that. We're just always having fun, and we go to this restaurant, and uh, we're laughing, cutting up, having a good time. But there's there's this. Uh, a uh, little waitress ru- running around. And I'm telling you, when you go to a restaurant at six o'clock on a Saturday, and it, it is a fairly popular restaurant, and it's packed, and you go in there, you're not really expecting the service to be spot on. You know what I mean? You're not expecting it to be, I mean, you want it to be there, but you, you don't really notice it. And your drink might go empty, and it might stay empty for just a little while. They'll get around to filling it up. But I tell you what, this girl, I mean, you take a sip, and then she was right there. She was, she was refilling your tea instantaneously. We never ran out of chips and salsa. You all with me on that? And I don't know what it is about the chips to salsa ratio, but I believe you always run out of chips before you run out of salsa. Is that true? Or is it the exact opposite for you? I don't know. Whatever it is, it didn't matter. We always had fresh chips. We always had fresh salts. Everything was always kept to the brim. Our food came out hot. It's like she was just kind of hovering around. I mean, somebody take a drink, she'd go get a drink. Boop. I mean, it was amazing. And at the end of our time, we had to pay the check. And I asked, and I told the lady, I said, hey, come here. I said, I just got to tell you something. Uh, First of all, this guy over here, he's going to tip you a lot of money. Because I'm poor, but he's buying. I didn't really say that. But I said, I just want to compliment you and say, this has been the best service ever. And I mean, this place is packed. It's hopping. We're being rowdy. Everyone else is being, everybody's having fun. But in the midst of all of that, Man, she was taking care of it. And I said, you know what? I just want to compliment you and tell you, I noticed how great of a job you did. Thank you so much. And she said this. She said, well, that was easy. I said, well, how's that? And she said, you are my only table. Oh. We're your only table. In other words, her whole focus was just our table. She didn't have to worry about anybody else. She didn't have to go over and do anything. All she had to sit there and do is just watch us. And when we needed something, boom, she was right there to serve, to fill our drinks, to make sure we had chips and salt, to make sure our food got out hot, that her only focus was us. And we lacked for nothing. Understand this, man. Man, God only wants us to serve Him. And could you imagine if we instead of trying to serve everybody else and God, we just said, you know what, God, I'm just going to serve you. That's all I'm going to do. That's all I'm going to do. I'm just going to serve you. You are my only audience. You are my only 
focus. Can you imagine what God would do with us? Can you imagine what God would do with you? If you just turned to him and said, God, you are my only focus. I only, when I go to my job, I perform in such a manner that only pleases you. Not everybody else, not my boss. I perform in a manner that simply pleases you. When I go home and I raise my kids and I talk to my wife, everything that I do in my interaction with my wife only pleases you. Everything I do, my interaction with my children only pleases you. If I lived a life where I only just focused on pleasing God, could you imagine the impact we would have in our own little world? Completely and totally revolutionize everything. If I only focused all of my efforts on pleasing God in every interaction, whatever it is, hey, in our conversation, my goal here is just to please God. On the ball field, when I'm coaching, my goal is to only please God. Tell you what, I get in trouble when I try to please the parents. Are you all with me on that? So we only have an audience of one. And then third and finally, we see that there is preparation. We see that there is preparation. And for us, how does that apply to us? We need to prepare those around us. We need to speak of Jesus as much as we can. If you look there in verse 16, it says, He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and He will go out uh, on before the Lord in the spirit of power of, of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. The whole purpose of John was to prepare people for the Messiah to come. He was being told his purpose. This is what you are here to do. Your only goal, your only purpose is to turn people to Jesus. And gentlemen, we have a purpose. Our purpose is to make sure and to turn people to Jesus, to turn our families to Jesus, to turn our wife to Jesus, to turn our bosses to Jesus, to turn our coworkers to Jesus, to turn everyone we are around, to turn them and to point them to Jesus. I find it fascinating that John preaches a message of repentance and his very name is God is gracious. Interesting how those two things come together. Who are we going to listen to? A man by the name of God is gracious. And what does he preach about? Repentance. You see how those two things go together? Oh my goodness. You're preaching repentance? And then I know that the name of this man is God is gracious? John chapter 3, verses uh, 26 and 27, 28, and 30. It says, They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. And to this, John replied, A person can only receive what is given to them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I am sent ahead of him. He must become greater, and I must become less. Man, John says, as Jesus is coming, and as his ministry begins to unfold, what does John continue to do? 
Go to Jesus. Go to Jesus. Go to Jesus. He is the guy you need to go, need, you need to go see. And for us in our lives, in everything that we do, we need to begin to send people to Jesus. To my son, I need to send him to Jesus. To my daughter, I need to send him to Jesus. To my wife, I need to send him to Jesus. To what's going on in my company, I need to send them to Jesus. Josephus, I'm going to close with this. Josephus wrote this about John the Baptist. He said that he was a good man, and I quote, he was a good man. And he taught the Jews to exercise the, uh, the exercise of vir virtue and piety towards God and righteousness towards one another, and that they should convene and knit together in baptism. In other words, they should come together and repent corporately. But then look at what he says. He writes this. The people flocked after him, meaning John the Baptist, and they were exceedingly delighted in his doctrine. That's what Josephus wrote. They, they chased after him, they flocked after him, and they were exceedingly delighted in his doctrine. Man, men, is my family exceedingly delighted in my doctrine? Y'all with me on that? Man, is your boss looking at you? Is he exceedingly delighted in your doctrine? John was raised for the purpose in mind from the very beginning. Man, to bring people to God, to tell them to repent, to prepare the way. And we just see just before he is born, Zachariah is given three things. Three simple things. To be gracious. To perform only for an audience of one. And also to prepare the way. To just simply prepare the way. And so I encourage you, just during this season, don't lose sight of any of that. We can get so wrapped up in everything else. It's very simple, yet we tend to forget it all the time. Guys, let's pray. God, we love you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this time we come together. Open up your word. God, thank you that uh, you love us, that you care for us. That Father, in the very name of John, you are gracious. And so thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your love. Thank you um, for just how good you are to us. Father, as we go our separate ways, may we honor you in everything that we say and in everything that we do. May we perform in our jobs for one, and that's not our boss, but rather it's for you. May we perform for you and our family. May we perform for only you on the ball field, in the stores, wherever it is we are. May we only perform for you. May we talk about you when we lie down and when we wake up and when we walk by the way. God, may we only do what you ask us to do. Um, God, uh, make our hands productive as we go our separate ways. Keep us safe and bring us back uh, together again soon. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And all God's men said, Amen. thanks a lot. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to today's Bible study. For more information regarding Cottonwood Creek, go to cottonwoodcreek.org. And we hope you tune in next time for more episodes of Men's Bible Study.